Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. We're in this series called Ain't No Grave, and what we're talking about today to kind of get this message series started, and it might sound a little bit odd to you, and some of you might be like, it's your first time here, it might sound really odd to you, um, but uh, we, we are... Uh, to get it started, what we're talking about today is I'm talking about how to dig a grave. And uh, that might seem kind of odd and strange to you, but I promise it's just a great metaphor. And if you just understand this, I really do believe uh, that we're going to unlock some really key principle, the principles that God wants us to have in our life. And so really today, to get this message series started, we're going to talk about how I, what, how, to, how to grave dig, essentially, and, like, how, and, and what does this mean? You're probably like, Noah, you've got me all really confused, and this is really weird. We're in church. Why are we talking about grave digging? Like, what, what is it? What is grave digging? Well, uh, grave digging is probably something, like, it's just kind of self-explanatory, like you dig down six feet, and, you know, like, and we're not talking about that. We're actually talking about something that I really do believe um, is imperative for you as a Christian uh, to have in your life. It's something, grave digging is actually something that you should be concerned with. And I, I get this language from this verse out of Colossians 3, and it says this. This is what Colossians says. It says, put to death, very strong words here. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. I can tell you that if you're a Christian, you are called to put to death your earthly nature. I, I don't know about you, but you probably, if you've ever had a kid before, you probably know uh, what that earthly nature is. You don't. How, how many of you know that you don't have to teach your kid how to do bad things? Everybody, like they just naturally do the bad thing. Like there's, you don't have to teach them how to do that. We're and and, and that's that's just a principle that uh, that all of us we're all born into this earthly, sinful nature, and, uh, and 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 we don't have to be taught to do the wrong thing. Like my sister was probably the worst at it. Like if if. <laughs> And I, I know she probably the other way around, but I feel like she was the worst at it. Like everything that I ever did, like she tried to tattle on me. Like I, it was anyway. It was just she she did some bad things, and she always got me in trouble. And it was just anyway. Uh, that's just a a side story. But but when you're young, you know that that like you're just born into this earthly sinful nature, and you naturally do uh, the wrong thing. And really, what when I talk about grave digging today, here's what I'm talking about. I'm saying that, that grave digging is just recognizing that you have this earthly, sinful nature, that we all have this nature. It goes on to say that this nature is things like sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, and greed, uh, which is idolatry. So they talk about sexual immorality, and, and many of us, we, we struggle with some type, some form of sexual immorality. Like I know uh, for a lot of guys, it's looking at things on your phone that you shouldn't be looking at. And I, because there's kids in here, I'm not going to go into it. But anyway, uh, you have so many, se- there's, there's this sexual immorality that we have. And for some of us, it's sex outside of marriage. For some of us, it's adultery. It's, uh, maybe, it's just, maybe it's just staring at someone and, and fantasizing about something. It's just like we all have this sexual uh, immorality in us. We also have this lust and uh, the lust where we lust after somebody. And and maybe some of us, uh, some of us, we we're lustful in the way that we dress, and that's that's sex, that that is that is immoral, and that's our earthly nature. Also, it talks about impurity, 
and, uh, and really just impure in what we say and what we think. And, and it says the evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And so we all have this sinful nature in us. We all are born naturally with a sinful nature. And as a Christian, we're called to bury that sinful nature. Or what we're literally called to put that sinful nature to death. And what we need to do is we need to seek and destroy the sin in our life. That's what we've got to do. And so, so I, as we start this message and, and as we talk, start talking about sin, here's what I want to do and here's what I want to make sure that you're not doing. It's really easy for all of us to think about somebody else who is doing the wrong thing. Like we're really quick to point out somebody else's sinful desires and, 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 their, and their wrongdoings. What I want to do in this series is I want to make sure that you focus on the right thing. I want to make sure that you focus on yourself. Like, stop looking at everybody else and start focusing on your own sinful desires. And so, and, and so can you do that for me? Stop looking across the aisle at somebody else's sinful desires and start focusing on your own. And, and that's what, that, so whenever we talk about grave digging, that's what we're talking about. And so you're probably like, well, Pastor Noah, like, why in the world should I be concerned about this? Like, why should I grave dig? Like, what, what's the importance of, to me? Why should I do it? Why should I care? Well, we're going to look in Scripture, and I'm really going to try to show you why grave digging is one of the most important things for you to do as a Christian. In fact, Romans 8.13, it says this. It says, for if you live according to the flesh you will die. And that's strong, but can I tell you that that is a promise. That's a promise in, in the Word that if you live according to your sinful nature, you're going to die. But the good news is, is that if we live by the Spirit and you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. And that's, that's what we're talking about. And that's what I want to get into your mind is that I want you to live, everybody. Like, I want you to experience life. That's what we want you to do as a church. We don't want you to die. We want you to live. And this verse is why I think you should be concerned about putting your sin to death or, or grave digging. Because if you're a Christian, and let me just, let me just talk to you for a minute. Like if you, if you say that you accepted Jesus and that, and that you believe that, that he died for you and that he rose again for you, if that's you, let me, let me talk to you for a minute. That means that, that means that you met Jesus before. That means that you've accepted Jesus. And can I tell you that another promise in Scripture is that if you're a Christian, that you will also meet Jesus again. That's another promise in Scripture. And from the time that you accepted Jesus, from the time that you accepted Jesus over here to the time that you meet Him again, here's, here's, what, I'm, here's, here's what I think, is that you, that time that you accepted Jesus to where you meet Him again, that gap in between should be filled with grave digging. It should be filled with putting your sin to death every day. From the time that you accepted Jesus to the time that you meet him, you should constantly be putting sin to death. You should always be grave digging. And you should be asking yourself, what in my life is sinful? Like, what are some impure thoughts in my life that I can put to death? What in my life is evil and wrong and broken? What do I need to strip away from me? What, what do I need to bury? Like, like how, how can I get the sin out of my life? Like, what? But why is it important to get the sin out of your life? Here, here's why it's important. Because Jesus died for it. Like Jesus paid the ultimate punishment so that you don't have to live in sin anymore. And so many of us, we're, we just we, we, we go ahead and we live in sin. And, and, but, but that's not what the Christian walk is meant to be. We're, meant to, we, we're supposed to die to sin because Jesus died for it. 
And because Jesus died for it, can I tell you that sin can't control you anymore. Because of what he did, sin can't control you. And you don't have to bow your knee to sin anymore, somebody. Like, like because Jesus has bought you with a price, stop bowing your knee to sin and sinful desires. And so because of that, you don't have to give in to pride. And you don't have to give in to lust and, and envy. You don't have to do any of those things. But because of that, the whole Christian life should be filled with putting sin to death. It should be a constant thing on your mind. And I know this is kind of a different message um, for so many of you. Like, if, like, for many of you who've been around here, like, a lot of the times it's very, messages are very encouraging and they're, and they're uplifting. But I just wanted to take this weekend to talk about just some serious stuff, everybody. Like, this is something that I really have to teach you so that you can walk out your Christian life, is, is really how to grave dig, how to put your sin to death. The Bible says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that death for anyone. And here's what you need to know today. And if you're taking notes on your note-taking sheet, here's uh, one of the first things on your note-taking sheet is this, is that sin does not sleep. Sin does not sleep. Sin and sin really equals the fleshly desires in your life. So, so sin really does not sleep on you. Can I tell you that sin is constantly scheming? Can I tell you that sin is after you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year? That, that sin it does not sleep. It wants to kill you. And can I tell you that sin wants to destroy your life? It'll do everything that it can to destroy your life. It is desperate to try to take you down. But so many of us, we've got this thing that, it, that, that, that we call, and that I would call, a pet sin. We've got something in our life that we know that we're doing wrong, and it's over here, and we think it's just on a leash over here, and we've got control over it. And it's something that, that, that just every once in a while, I can do this, I, I, I can have this, I, and we've got this pet sin over here. Can I tell you that there's no such thing as a pet sin in your life. You cannot control sin. Sin wants to destroy you. Can I tell you that sin has a plan for your life? And the plan is destruction. It wants to destroy your life. And it wants, sin wants to fill your life with shame and regret. That's all it wants to do. And sin has this plan for your life. But because of Jesus, we can say to sin, we can say, sin, you have no right in my life because Jesus paid for me. We can say that. And, and because Jesus killed the power and the punishment, he, he took the ultimate punishment for sin by dying on a cross. We, he removed it from our life so that we can live free from the power and the presence of sin. Can I tell you that you don't owe sin a thing? Like, like, like you just need to get rid of it. And I know that we can get pumped up about that in church, and, but so many of us, we go home and and yeah, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to defeat sin. And it's Sunday, Sunday morning, and then Sunday afternoon we go home and, and we do it again. And, and we have sin in our life. And we get our pet sin back out, and all of a sudden it fills us with shame and regret again. And we go back to God and we say, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. <laughs> and then the next day, it's the same thing. God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'll never do it again. Then maybe we go two or three days without it. And then we say... But then all of a sudden, we, we slip up again, and we're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And your life is just, some of you, you're living in that life where it's just a broken record over and over and over again. You're trying to defeat it, and you just can't seem to figure out how to defeat it. And, 
Can I tell you that I was there at a point in my life? Like, I thought I'd never get over it. I, 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 thought, I, thought, I, I thought, man, I, 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 don't know, I don't know if I'll ever get over this. And I can tell you that it was, I was like that until I joined a small group. And I remember in that small group that I learned that I was the boss of sin. Like, because of, because of what I just said, because of what Jesus did for me, I'm the boss of sin. It can't have any control in my life, and I have the power over it. And when I learned that I had the power over it, and I had some accountability in my life, I can tell you that sin, that, that sin was gone. It fleed from my life. And so, and so, so, so many of us, we have that, that lust or that envy or that rage, and we need to understand, and I, and I had to understand that in my life that, that that was not going to control me anymore because Jesus died for sin, because Jesus defeated sin on the cross. Can I tell you, in the, in the light of, this, of, of the Halloween season or whatever, can I tell you that sin is the ultimate zombie? Like sin is already dead, but it comes back to life and still wants to kill you. Like that's, that's really what sin is. And the good news is, and, and, and here's the great news for you today, is that sin has a, has a place where, it, where it's going to go, and that place is hell. Like eventually sin, all of sin is going to go to hell. One day, one day hell is going to consume all of sin, but if it could take you there with it, that's what it's going to do. It's going to drag you down and take you with it. In fact, that's what Romans says. Romans says that basically, like, sin's not sleeping, but are you sleeping on it? Like, that, that's the question, is that are you sleeping on sin? And so we know that you can't have a pet sin. And, you, and, and for, for many of us, we, we believe that we, we, we got this pet sin that we only let out on a Friday night when we go party or whenever we hang out with our friends or, or whatever it is for you. But can I tell you that you can't have that sin because when sin is out, it will gobble you up. It will, in a moment, man, in a moment, it will take control. And it'll, it'll fill your life with shame and regret. I, how many of you have ever seen uh, Gremlins, the movie, the, the little Gremlins movie? Yeah, so many of you, you've seen that movie before. Um, and, and, and here's what you know about Gremlins, just something kind of fun, is that, uh, is that in Gremlins, there's this, there's this little thing called Gizmo. Does anybody remember Gizmo? He's kind of, he's, he's really cute and, and, and looks really, really sweet in this picture. And, uh, but what we later find out is that what happens with Gizmo is that uh, when, when, Gizmo, uh, when Gizmo gets wet, here's what happens, he multiplies. And so, so all of a sudden, there's, there's a bunch of Gizmos everywhere. And then we later find out that if Gizmo eats at night, it turns into this thing, and it turns into this monster that is after you to kill you. Like, and so, and so this, this, is, this is what we see. And so, but, but for so many of us, we thought that you could just keep that little Gizmo, that little pet, just next to you. And you thought that it was just cute and furry, and you just thought it was really nice, and all of a sudden, because you kept that little pet sin next to you, all of a sudden it started multiplying. And over and over again, all of a sudden, you're looking around you, and there's, there's all kinds of little gizmos around you, and then all of a sudden, you fed it after, after dark, and this is what you're staring in the face of, the sin, this, of your sin that looks just like this. And all of a sudden, so many of you, you, you found yourself over, oh, that, that, that got that pet sin out, and you thought you, you had it over in the corner, but it ended up actually just destroying you and your whole family. And for so many of us, we live like that. And can I tell you that gremlins may not be real, but can I tell you that sin is? And it will destroy 
your life. In fact, I wrote, I wrote this in my, notes, uh, in my notes, that sin is the only thing that can send you to hell. Can I tell you that we like to give credit to Satan all the time. We like to say, well, Satan's going to send, send you to hell. No, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Satan, Satan can't send you to hell. It's your own sin that sends you to hell, everybody. And, and what you need to understand is that we give Satan way too much credit. The only thing that can send you to hell is your own sin, and we need to start taking it seriously. The sin in your life is what, is what sends you to hell. But the, but the good news is, is that the Bible says that if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That's the good news, is that, that you're going to live. But, but how do you do it? You do it by the Spirit. By the Spirit. And that's what I want for us. I want us to put to death the misdeeds of our body, to put to death the sinful desires in our body so that we can have and live the life that God has called us to live. And I know this is a hard message to preach, and it's a, it's a hard message, but I hope that you understand that you've got to put to death those sinful desires. That pet that you've got over there, that, that it's, one day it's going to multiply like gizmo, and the next day it's going to try to kill you. And you just need to watch for that. But if by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I love this quote from John Owen. He says this. He says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. For so many of you, you need to understand that. That if you're not actively killing sin, it's after you to kill you. It's always after you. And, 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 and every day, every day, you either wake up with the mentality that either I'm going to kill it or it's going to kill me. Can I tell you that sin has a plan for your life, but God has a better plan. And you need to understand that. And so how do you do it? No, how do you kill sin? How do you kill sin? Here's, here's how you do it. Romans 8, 13. Again, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The Spirit here that the Bible is referring to is the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian... You have the power of God living inside of you. And the power of God in you is literally called the Holy Spirit. And so this means that if you're not a Christian, you don't have a way to fight sin. You have no way to fight sin in your life if you're not a Christian. And I, and I see this all the time. I see people that claim that they are a Christian and they try to fight sin, but they don't have the Holy Spirit in their life. And so what happens to so many people is that they say that they're a Christian and they get tied up in all these different religious activities. And they start putting this religious, these, these religious rituals in their life. And all of a sudden, they can't defeat sin and they, and they can't figure it out. It's because at the end of the day, their motives and their mindset behind it, it was wrong. And, the, and they figure out that they can never overcome sin. But can I tell you that if you're here today and you want to fight sin... Today is the day that you can accept Jesus so that you can get the help of the Holy Spirit. Because everyone needs the help of the Holy Spirit. And here's, and here's what I wrote down is this, is that grave digging is not just about my effort, it's about trusting in Jesus. In fact, that's what Galatians 5.17 talks about. It talks, it talks about what goes on inside the hearts of Christians every day, that there's a sinful flesh desire inside of us and it's fighting for us and and even though i am a christian like can i tell you that even as your pastor even though that i am a christian i still make mistakes every day everybody 
Like, I'm not holy. I don't have, I mean, like, I, I, I get really close to falling off this edge, and the Lord is not going to catch me if I fall off the edge of the stage, everybody. Like, I make sinful mistakes every day because I have this sinful desire. But because being a Christian is not about being perfect, that's not what the Christian life is about. It's not about being perfect, but it is about finding the things in your life and burying that sin in your life, that, 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 that sinful desire in your life. Here's what Galatians says, that verse that I was talking about. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so the Bible says that you still have, there's still sin there. But because we're a Christian, because you're a Christian, the spirit goes against your flesh. Your spirit and flesh, they go to war every single day. And can I tell you that when your flesh and your spirit go to war, here's what happens. They st you start to feel conviction in your life. And for some of you, you're just now starting to experience that. You're just now starting to feel what conviction uh, really means in your life. It means that when you're a Christian, that, that the things inside of you aren't just going to let you do sinful things. Like you're going to feel something inside of you, and, and, it's, and it's really the Spirit convicting what you're doing. And you're just going to know that it's wrong. You're just going to know that this thing that you're doing is wrong. Because, because when you're a Christian, the things inside of you, they're not just going to let you do sinful things and so for so many of us and and for me as well like I feel like all the time that I know I just I know some people that just go to church and and they claim they're a Christian but they they go out they go out on the weekend and, and they and they do what they want and they don't feel any remorse for it and the question that I get all the time is that if those people those people who claim to be Christians and they say I'm a Christian but they go and do what they want and they and they go and they have and they and they do all this sin in their life and they and they feed their earthly desires all the time. The question that I get all the time is like, are they a real Christian? Are they actually a Christian when that happens? And can I tell you that I'm not trying to be God and and, and I can't see their heart, but I can tell you that the Bible says that when you are a Christian, that the Holy Spirit inside of you is not just going to let you go do sinful things. Like, that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit's not just going to leave for a minute while you do some sinful things and then come back. No, if you're a Christian, you're going to feel some conviction for it. And some of you know what that feels like. You, 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 you know what happens when you go and do something wrong. And I know for my mom, it's like, uh, it, it's, it's going through Walmart. And like, and she's, can I tell you that she's never like, things just happen all the time where maybe she got something in her bag and she didn't think that they, they rung it up. And she can't find it on the receipt. And she gets so convicted over it. And I'm like, Mom, you're crazy. But it, it really is just conviction. And she will, I mean, she'll drive it all the way to Jacob and drive it all the way back just to make sure that she paid for it, everybody. Like, I'm like, you are crazy. But it's because she's got that conviction in her heart that she's like, I, 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 I don't want to steal. And I don't want to think somebody, I, I, I don't want to think somebody thought that I stole something. And so anyway, she's got that conviction in her heart that constantly says that 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 what that stealing for her and, and many others I'm just this is just a practical example but for but in that case that stealing is wrong and she feels conviction for that and even though that she may not have meant it or maybe it was maybe it was their fault sometimes I'm like it's their fault just count it as a blessing come on somebody like like 
And she still feels conviction over it. And so, but that's really practically what it is. It's that, it's that conviction in your life. But some people, they, they go and, and, they, and they do these things and, and they don't feel any conviction for it. And according to this verse, really the answer to that question is, are, are they a real Christian? The answer to it is, is, it doesn't look like it. Like, probably not. And it's because, because really, Christians who don't feel conviction for the bad things that they're doing, they're they're, they're not, it doesn't exist. Like, those people just don't exist. And they're super deceived. And, and, and for some people, they just feel like they can go through all the religious rituals and, like, and, and, that, and that they can do all the right religious activities. But you can, can I tell you that there are people, you can still do all the right religious activities and not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And until you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you're, you'll never have that conviction and the bible says that if if the holy spirit lives in us that it's going to convict us and that it's going to help us take next steps and and it's going to put put to death the nature of sin in our life and so how do we do this how do we kill sin in our life how do we get rid of sin in our life and can i tell you that next week that's what we're talking excuse me next week that's what we're talking about so make sure that you're here next week because we're literally going to practically talk about how to kill sin in your life. And that's going to be a great message and, and detail on how to kill the root of sin. But that's for next week. But before we leave today, let me, just, let me just end it with this. And you have to understand that if you want to kill sin in your life, you've got to become a master at doing this. You've got to become a master at feeding the Spirit and starving the flesh in your life. You have to start feeding the Spirit in your life and starving the flesh. Can I tell you that back in the day, uh, if, if you study any type of history, you learn that the easiest way to defeat an army back in the day was to literally cut off their food supply. And so if you would, if you would cut off their food supply, it, it didn't matter how big, how big the castle was or like how, how tall the wall was or how accurate the cannons were. Like if you could cut off their supply, ultimately that side would starve and die. And that's how many people won the wars, that they cut off their supply. Can I tell you the same thing is true for sin? The same exact thing is true for your sin. Can I tell you that you don't just arrive at sin? Like, it, you don't just pull up and, and there, there's sin right there. No, it doesn't happen like that. Can I tell you that most of the time, the sinful desires in your life, it starts with a thought. It starts right in your mind. And what happens is, for so many of us, that thought just incubates in our head. And, and, it's just, and it's just constantly there. And when that thought is still in your head, and when that thought incubates in your head, what happens is, is it turns into an attitude. And all of a sudden we get this attitude that turns into an action of us actually sinning. And so what, what would happen if, what, what, I wonder what would happen if a bunch of Christians would stand up and start feeding the Spirit and starving the flesh? What if we cut off the supply of sin in our life? What if we cut off that thing that starts that thought, which leads into an attitude, which leads to an action? Can I tell you that, I, that, that you don't, like, like just, I, I know this is just an, a, a really, really big thing, especially now, and especially with young guys, is looking at things on the internet that you're not supposed to be looking at. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and what happens is, is that you don't, just, you don't just pull up your phone and that just pops up. No, it starts with a thought that incubates in your head. 
It's a thought that you need to start starving in your life. It's a thought that you need to get rid of in your life. And if you were here several months ago, maybe it's the thought of that, that yoga pants girl. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you can remember that. And uh, it's that thought which leads into an attitude which leads into the action of sin. And for guys, that's a problem. But for so many ladies, it's something different. So for, for so many ladies, you struggle with gossiping like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry ladies but uh anyway, but, but for so many ladies they do struggle with with this gossiping well well maybe you need to starve the flesh maybe you need to stop talking to that person who who constantly brings it up or maybe you need to maybe you need to starve your thoughts let me tell you uh, maybe you need to be a little bit more like pac-man how many of you have ever played pac-man before raise your hand if you i ever i feel like everybody's played pac-man like like everybody, if you haven't, you should, everybody. But um, here, here's what Pac-Man does. Pac-Man, all he does is he, he tries to go around and uh, all he does is try to gobble up these power pellets. That's like, that's all his mind is focused on. And that's all, when you're playing it, that's all your mind is focused on, is gobbling up these power pellets and avoiding those ghosts. And so what happens is, is that for many of us, uh, you, you, you don't, here, here's what happens is you don't think, you don't have to think as much about starving the flesh as, as feeding the Spirit. Like if you focus, if you would focus on feeding the Spirit, can I tell you that your flesh will naturally starve? So what if you just started, instead of focusing on the starvation, what if you started focusing on feeding your Spirit? Like what would that look like in your life? How do you feed the Spirit? Well, Noah, how do you feed the Spirit? Well, here's... And a practical example is that you can feed your spirit with the five senses that you have. With your eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and touch. Like you can feed the spirit with those. That Can I tell you that like just like Pac-Man, that every moment, every moment in your life, you are gobbling up something with your eyes. Like you're constantly looking around. You're constantly gobbling, gobbling up different things. Like some of you, you just gobbled up that this guy just came up and started playing the piano. Like that's where your eyes were. And, and, and so, and so constant, you're, in life, you're constantly gobbling up things uh, with, with your eyes and their worldly things. And what happens is, is that you're feeding your flesh when you do that. And you're operating in sinfulness. But let me ask you this, and just, this is just a practical example, that what if every morning, instead of gobbling up the things on your phone, like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, what if instead of gobbling that stuff up, what if you would gobble up the Word of God? Like, what if you would open your Bible up? And what if you would gobble that up first? What if you would take, what if you would take that in first instead of Instagram? What, if, what, what would happen if you just filled your friend group with people who encouraged you instead of people who gossiped about everybody else? Like, like what would happen if you started, if you started, if you started taking in and, and feeding your spirit more? What if you would feed the spirit and starve the flesh? Can I tell you that you can starve your flesh by just simply feeding the Spirit? I can tell you that if you want to grave dig, if, if you want to put to death your earthly desires, if you want to put to death that sin, you need to find ways that you can feed the Spirit instead of starving the flesh. And I can tell you that I could come up with a billion examples to give you. But only you know that sinful desire in your life. And only you can fix that. I, I can't do that from up here. And so this is when it turns into, it's up to you. This is totally up to you. You've got to decide in your life, how am I going to feed my spirit 
it starved the flesh. How am I going to get rid of that sin in my life? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? The question that I have for you today is this, is that will you join me as a grave digger? Will you join me in putting your sin to death? Will you put to death the things of the flesh? And just like I said earlier, I have no idea. I have no earthly idea how you can do that. It's up to you. You've got to identify that sin in your life. And for some of you, it starts today. It starts today by you just identifying that you have a sinful nature in your life. And when you figure that out, you can begin to figure out how you can starve that. How instead of waking up in the morning, or instead of going to bed, uh, by doing something, maybe you, need to, maybe you need to feed your spirit instead. Whatever it is, you know what it is in your life. And my prayer for you is that you would begin this journey of putting to death your sinful desires. Let me pray for you. Father, today, we just thank you for what you've done in this service. God, I pray that you would help everybody identify what sinful desires that they have in their life. But God, I pray that you would continually be with them and that you would help them put to death that sinful desire. God, I pray that you would just give them a hunger for your word a hunger for your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would give people a hunger just to seek after you. Because, God, we know that whenever we feed the spirit, the flesh is just naturally going to, to starve. And so, God, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. This morning, if you're in here, some of you, you don't have a way to fight sin in your life right now. Some of you, you've been playing the Christian game. And for many of you, this morning, it's your time to accept Jesus for who He is and accept the Holy Spirit into your life because the only way that you're, you're going to fight sin is through the Holy Spirit. And so many of you, you need to accept Jesus so that you can have the power of the Holy Spirit live in your life. Today, if that's you, on the count of three, I would just love to know that. I would just love for you to just raise your hands in this room this morning. Would you do that for me? Are you ready? On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? Are you ready? One, two, three, you say you accepted Jesus, raise your hand right now all over this building. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Say, I want to accept Jesus. Thank you. Today, if that's you and you say, I want to pray that prayer and I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, all you have to do is say this simple prayer right after me and can I tell you that the God who created you, He wants to live inside of you and He wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. If you pray that prayer and you mean it in your heart today, you can have access to that Spirit. Church, because we believe in this prayer, would you just repeat this after me? Everybody say this. Everybody say, Dear God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you've raised Him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer?